0: Oh yeah, YouTube's fucked up too. Just as an FYI, it told me a show was gonna go live like three hours ago.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it did that to me too.
2: Like, See, what the, the paper card.
1: Hilarious. Warning, this podcast
3: features adult subject matter, adult language, and things not meant for children to hear. Viewer discretion is advised. You've been warned. It looks like we could be We might be. I think we are. We are live, live, ladies and gentlemen, on the I'm No Joe channel. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like an Eddie Bravo. Today, like most days, I have got a plethora of information and a couple of wonderful folks to go over it with in all things combat, sports, and MMA related. So before we jump right into it here, first and foremost, I want to take a moment and thank my brother from another mother, my Wednesday night homeboy, and my combat shit talk and compatriot, the one and only Golf TV. 8. How the
0: fuck are you doing, brother? Fucking Fantastic kind of excited and kind of bummed that this is the last card of the year all at the same time. That whole, it's nice to not have to do anything next week, but on the other side of it, kind of a bummer. I was like, oh, you had one more week where you could have fit it in. That's all I'm saying. Yep. They did give us a pretty fucking really busy year. I mean, we were here every fucking week. There's only a couple weeks where we weren't here.
3: Yeah. No, we were definitely grinding it the fuck out this year. That's for sure. Twenty nineteen has been one jam packed some bitch for sure. So, because twenty nineteen was just that and such a cram packed some bitch, not only do we have our news and recent events, some interesting topics, some uh, fight announcements, some things that have been brought about in the recent times. Since our last episode, we've also got a nice little uh, 2019 sendoff for you folks that we'll, we'll save for a little bit later on in the show. But uh, like we do around here, first thing I want to do is dive right into the news and recent events segment. The strange things, the fight announcements, the noteworthy moments, I should say, that have happened since the last time we were here with you wonderful folks. So right off the top, um, I'm going to go right into it here. Literal breaking news. This has actually just come about within the last 20 minutes, literally hot off the presses. Um, As of today, Henry Triple Cringe Cejudo has officially been stripped of the men's 125-pound belt. He will retain his 135-pound belt, assuming he defends it within 2020. But the 125-pound belt has officially been stripped. Uh, Joseph Benavidez and Davison Figueredo will fight for that men's 125-pound belt on my anniversary of all days, February 29th. So that card just got very interesting, and everyone is absolutely going to want to see what the – true future of the flyweight division really is going to have in store for us here because that is going to be a spectacular fight belt or not but knowing that it is for the belt now makes it that much juicier in my opinion and literally brings him back to uh just a saggy pair of double c's now i
0: was gonna say that was gonna be my next comment is do we finally get away from the triple cringe
3: yeah, now he's just a saggy, sad pair of double C's that uh, everybody gets to laugh at as we watch him go through his mid-career crisis. Floppy. <laughs> oh, Henry. But moving along from that shit-tastic news, uh, we did have some very interesting news come about over the last week. Um, the one, the only Sakuraba himself was officially inducted into the UFC hall of fame um if you have not seen it yet i absolutely encourage everyone to go to the ufc's instagram page and they've got a video of dana actually presenting sakuraba with the the very nice blazer that the the folks get when they get nominated and he didn't know how to react to it it's so fucking genuine and it's so fucking beautiful to see a guy that literally helped put combat sports and mma On the map, still to this day, be so fucking humble and so fucking gracious. And I could not think of a better person to be nominated into that Hall of Fame. And he legitimately did help build this sport into what it is today. It makes me very happy to see
0: him getting some acknowledgement for it. From the ground up, that man was fucking phenomenal. You guys don't know who he is if you're new to watching MMA. Please do yourself a favor. Go back and watch. Go watch some old Pride. And you'll see what we're talking
3: about. That dude was a fucking animal. Fight anybody, anywhere. Yeah. Literally, the definition of when and where. That man should have coined the phrase, send me location. Because he would take on anyone, any weight, any location, any seven times a night if you let him. He didn't care. And he was a fucking animal. Start to finish. He's one of the legit most badass of the badass. Very cool to have him in the UFC Hall of Fame now. Um, Couple of interesting, interesting announcements here from over this last weekend. Um, The Quintet Ultra event that Team UFC actually won. We go over that in my uh, What Did I Say episode. Um, Quick caveat, real quick. Um, I just found out about an hour and a half ago that The What Did I Say episode from Mixer this last weekend was scheduled to auto-upload to this channel Tuesday like they generally do. And for some reason, it did not this week. So after we finish going live tonight, I will actually throw that one up there as well. So if you guys didn't get a chance to catch that here on YouTube and you're looking for that, that will be there. It is also still live over on the Mixer channel as well. Link in the description. Um, But Team UFC won the Quintet Ultra 5 mound 5 grappling event over the weekend. And during the process of this five-on-five tournament-style elimination um, match, Cub Swanson, in the process of a very nasty heel hook, turned one way and the gentleman he was wrestling with turned the other way. And he actually tore his ACL and the meniscus in his knee Um, Is expected to be undergoing surgery tomorrow, most likely out for, at the very least, the first half of 2020, potentially the whole year, depending on how the surgery and the subsequent following rehab and PT go. Um, Best wishes to Cub Swanson. He's, you know, was legitimately just trying to start and make another run for it and look, you know, pretty fucking capable. And that happens, and you never want to hear that, so that absolutely sucks. And we definitely want to wish him a speedy recovery on that. Hell yeah, that's rough. I
0: mean, you weren't even taking punches during that, you're literally grappling. And unfortunately, as with all combat sports, injuries do happen, even when it is something like grappling, even though
3: submission only, yeah, it's it's submission only
0: it's still possible. It's I'm sure the guy felt fucking terrible for doing it. Cause they're not oh, trying yeah. to really hurt each oh, other. Yeah. They're just trying to get each other to tap. That's it. <laughs> yep.
3: No, it was, it was rough. You, if you see the, uh, the replay, literally as the, he grabs, the guy grabs the heel hook on him. Cub goes to roll one way as the guy goes the other way. and Instantly you see Cub lean back and dude let's go and Cub and rolls face down on the mat and just like is slamming it and not moving. And that leg is straightened out and dude immediately calls for the paramedics to come over and get him. It's, oh, it's, it's rough. So uh, absolutely fucking speedy recovery wishes for him. Um, interesting little um, move along from there. After that was over, there was a, a subsequent re- uh, release, I guess it would be from the ESPN MMA uh, Dana White talking backstage about, you know, literally what's next. Now that 245 is over, the final pay-per-view of the year is done. Um, the the card for this weekend that we've already, we're going to talk about here in a little bit has already been set. Any replacements that we'll talk about were, were made and set in stone. Things were ready to go. So, you know, what are we looking at next? Um, the two things that uh, Dana says he is looking forward to now is Obviously, everyone that just got their injuries and there were some injuries from uh, UFC 245 will have to heal up and then, you know, discuss these plans. But prospectively going forward, he's looking most at two fights to line up. Um, One is he says the only thing he can see going forward for that division right now is Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley being the next big matchup there which I think is absolutely a spectacular idea and we actually talked about that a a couple episodes back that was one of the things that we thought would make a very interesting follow-up fight should Colby lose this and looks like Dana seems to uh, agree at least somewhat with what we were thinking and then the other one that he mentioned is of course, this depending on the results of January 18th fight that we're going to be talking about next month in the beginning of 2020, um, assuming Connor wins against Cowboy, he said the next fight there would be Connor wanting the Khabib fight, but he wasn't sure about that. He said what he would be interested in then would be Connor versus Mosfadal at 170. If Connor takes Cowboy at 170 and looks good doing it, that's another one of the possibilities that we talked about being prospectively a very interesting fight. I mean, despite the fact that we've got guys like Aldo going down further as they get older and, you know, getting weird fucking results from that. And then on the other side of the spoon, seeing guys like Rockhold and Weidman, even Jacare going up and not having great results going up. Then you've got Connor who we watched start at 45, looking like a fucking skeleton dominate down there, moved to 55, still looked a little rough, but did much better. And then when we saw him go up to 70 and then get acclimated at 70, I know there's the fucking asterisk. Once he got acclimated at 70, he looked much better at 70 than he did at 45. So if we can get Connor to balance at 70, that could be very interesting. So I think both of them have a little potential, but... Still, we are going to have to see how all of that shakes out before we can look at any of those set in stone.
0: It'll definitely um, throw some um, definitely crazy wrenches out there depending on what happens in January.
3: Yeah, and not to mention all parties involved are always looking for that red panty night. And both of those, God forbid you put both of those matchups on the same fucking card, Cha fucking change that's that sells itself you don't even have to do a fucking press conference you just put the poster out in front of the building and the tickets are going to sell out yep that makes your fucking summer pay-per-view of 2020 fucking huge that pair on the fucking marquee oof oof i say that'd be hard to top (laughs) so another not fight announcement that we're going to go over real quick before i get into the small avalanche of fight announcements that have happened in the last week Um, made official yesterday afternoon two interesting little stories the first one Justin Gaethje went out of his way and spent nearly two thousand dollars to wipe clear two different schools in the Denver area's student lunch debts paid off all of the student lunch debts from two different Denver area high schools Pat the fuck off to you for that, sir. That is a pretty fucking cool thing. And ironically, somehow didn't make it to Ariel Hawani's honorable mention show this week. But I thought that I would take a moment and mention it here on my show because good the fuck on you. Like doing for the kids is one of those things that I will always advocate for. I don't care how much of an asshole that person is when you're doing shit for the kids and solely for the kids. I'll tip my fucking cat to you. That's that's a good one for him,
0: I'd say. That's fantastic because, you know what, I, I remember growing up there. Was sometimes we were poor and lunch money wasn't always there, so we were in, that red, in those red numbers before. Doing shit yeah. like that, that helps a lot of people out. You're not just helping the kid. You're helping the family, even though Absolutely. you're doing it for the kid.
3: Absolutely. And the fact that he thought to do something like that when there's literally so many different options that a fighter could do if they wanted to do some charity – Thinking to do something grassroots, as it were, like that. I absolutely commend. So, Hell very yeah. good on you. Um, after that, we had a uh, a pair of very interesting announcements come out of the Bellator side of the MMA world. Here, uh, the first one, another uh, inducing kind of announcement here. Um, we did find out that. Neiman Gracie is going to be out of this coming weekend's UFC, or excuse me, UFC, Bellator 236 card. Uh, he broke his hand at, there's just, there's no way. Um, he absolutely broke it, way too close to the fight to even consider carrying on, so they did have to pull him out. Um, again, speedy recovery wishes to him on that one. Um, they have not announced if they are going to keep that fight on the card. Or if they are going to drop that and then subsequently take care of the other fighter, we will have to see um, one this Saturday. Um, but the other fight, uh, non-fight announcement from the Bellator side of the house was a very interesting and a controversial one that is kind of not getting as much publicity in the MMA journalism world as I thought it was going to. And as I think it kind of deserves just because of the strange ripple effect this is going to have in all different organizations in the MMA world, as it were, Um, Rory McDonald, the Red Queen himself, has officially let his free agency with Bellator go and has signed on with the PFL organization to take place in the 2020 season going after their million-dollar contract, um, presumably to be fighting at welterweight. So um, there is going to be a strange nose-shaped hole in the Bellator roster and a new one placed over into the PFL organization for the 2020 season. We'll have to see how that plays out in both of those organizations and you know there's not really any early predictions on where it's going to go either way but it's definitely interesting to see someone of Rory's name value I guess would be the right phrase willing to make A a secondary jump now here, not just from the UFC over to Bellator, but now from Bellator over to PFL, uh, says he wants to be fighting for another 10 years and that he thinks that the PFL is going to be the place he's going to be able to do that. So that's a little bit of a weird one, but it's definitely going to have some effects in multiple organizations now, just depending either way on how he does, whether he goes in and gets crushed. Or whether he goes in and, and, you know, takes the million and starts to become a dominant force over in the PFL. That's going to have repercussions in, in multiple different organizations now. I'm kind of interested to see how that's going to play out.
0: You know, for me, that was a, that's a strong move by the PFL though. Right. A Absolutely. fucking really strong arm move. Look, a lot of people slept on Rory. He handled himself very well at Bellator. Very well. Yep. I mean, just his resume over there speaks for itself and all the PFL picking him up and throwing him right into that mix. There's a lot of fighters in that weight class over there that need to be worried.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Cause that million dollars a year guaranteed is a lot of money. Plus he's over there without a Reebok contract. So all the sponsors, you know, get to follow him. That money is, is there to be made. If you can dominate the PFL million guaranteed per division. So I don't know. Could be very right. interesting,
0: and he's going to get a lot of airtime because that's all on ESPN.
3: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That puts him back in front of a very large audience, much bigger than Bellator could have given him. So, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out as well. Um, from there, we will dive into the uh, small mountain of fight announcements that have happened here. Um, the first one I want to go over, we actually were kind of hinting at a couple of episodes ago, and they actually announced it while we were live during the last episode. And I saw it after we went off the air. and was just kicking myself. I didn't get a chance to announce it then. But damn it, I'm going to announce it now. Um, Jair Zeno Rosenstroik versus Francis Ngannou. March 28th on the Ohio card. Title contender eliminator. Um, so says Dana White winner of that one is going to be the next guy to get a crack at the belt depending on whether Stepe DC3 happens or not if they do then obviously they will be next if not then whoever wins this is going after Stepe for that belt next and either way this is going to be a very very interesting fight as well because these dudes are both fucking gigantic heavyweights with Absolute ridiculous power. And I think one of the main differences here is Jair was a world-class kickboxer heavyweight before he came over to MMA, whereas Francis started in the boxing side and then transitioned into MMA. So it's it's going to be an interesting combination to see how the two of these giant fucking powerhouses match up. And if there's a possibility of we see that Lewis and Ganu match up when we've got two gigantic heavyweights coming in is Francis gonna get gun shy again or are we gonna see some crazy shit go down between these two
0: you No, know, I'm I'm kind of torn on how that fight's gonna end up going I mean <laughs> look at what Rosenstrike just did
3: yeah that hey, man's look, got scary power dude
0: he's got some scary power granted he was he wasn't dominating that fight though either
3: no not really
0: Yeah, over him looked good up until that point I mean, fuck. He had to fight one until that point, in my eyes.
3: But damn close, yeah.
0: At in any, any rate, like he's going up an entire different level because Ingunn at a way higher level than what Overeem is, and that's yeah. no disrespect to Overeem at all. But.
3: No, but you also got to look at they're they're literally following that same path. Like Rosenstroik is literally following the playbook that Ingunn laid out. That's how Nganu got to where he is by putting. Overream into fucking orbit with that crazy iconic fucking shot. Uh, I
0: mean, in this case, the MMA math—they both got that iconic shot because I mean, right? seen what fucking blew up there looked like a goddamn firecracker went off in his mouth.
3: And sh- ironically, if those of you who are listening have not seen that yet, there was actually a post on the UFC and uh, MMAfighting.com both of their Instagram pages today showing. Alistair Overeem in South Korea doing interviews with just the ever so fucking slightest little piece of scar tissue on the very front of his lip in a side-by-side comparison to the fucking exploded hamburger packet that used to be his fucking lip just 12 days ago. It literally was almost an entire... Pinky's worth of split all the way through the meat of his lip, and now is literally just a little dot on the edge of his lip line that you can tell is a scar. Absolute
0: (laughs) fucking hats off to that plastic surgeon. Yeah, that dude did an amazing (laughs) job. I saw that looking at the side by sides. I'm going, fuck, man. I wonder how much they paid for that someday.
3: Yeah, it's amazing that 12 days is all that separates that gaping lip to there's almost no trace that anything had happened. So. That yeah was not a cheap quick surgery for sure.
0: Um,
3: but the other fight that we got announced for that Ohio card on March twenty eighth was the homecoming fight, as it were. Uh, Cody Garbrandt will be fighting Rafael Asuncio for what is prospectively going to be the co main to Rosenstreich and Ganu, which I'm presuming is probably going to be the headliner. Um, But either way, Ohio card just got very, very interesting with that pair latched onto them. Uh, Two more here real quick for the early 2020 UFC's lineup that has been announced this week. The first one, um, UFC London, March 21st, they have officially announced Darren Stewart. The dent excuse me, Darren the Dentist Stewart versus Marvin the Italian stallion Vittori. Uh, that's going to be a very, very interesting matchup. Both of those gentlemen have very similar but very, very unique styles under themselves. So that'll be an interesting matchup to see uh cool. Mr. Stewart back home in London.
0: It's gonna be a lot of power between the two of those motherfuckers.
3: Oh hell yeah. That will be a scary amount of power between those two in that matchup. Um, and then the other announcement that they made just the day before yesterday for the February 29th card, um, at 145 pounds, Megan Anderson versus the debut of the, uh, that is to be her next victim to get Megan her title shot, uh, Norma Dumont, um, Apologies in advance to Miss Dumont for having this have to happen to you on your debut, but it quite literally looks like they're setting up Megan Anderson to wreck this soup can and then Holly her into the next title shot that Amanda Nunez has already said she wants at 145, has already said that it looks like it's most likely going to be Megan Anderson. So this is one of those pretty transparent step-building moves that the UFC is making to kind of Spoon feed Amanda another shot because there's six now to be seven women in the ladies' featherweight division of the UFC.
0: You know, that's a tough one for me to even know that they're doing that. Look, I like Megan Anderson. Wonderful personality. Uh, I won't say she's the greatest fighter out there. but She's, she's, she's not the worst. Yeah, she's, she's not, not bad. Worst. But she's also two and two in the UFC right now. At this point, there is no reason why you beat a super cannon and get a fucking title shot. Look, I get it. That division's not very deep. So it's pretty much just drop the names in a hat and pull one. Somebody gets a title shot. That's about the best you can do. I get it. But at least make her fight fucking Holly Holm or something, you know? Well, and that's the thing
3: right now with, you know, in general, the, the women's side of the, the UFC house really isn't getting what I feel the the attention it deserves right now, not necessarily from the fans, but, but from the UFC itself. You see they're constantly churning in new guys in all the division on the UFC side of the house, whereas you look over on the ladies' side and Joanna just went to a decision with Michelle Watterson, who was ranked number eight at the time, I believe, and then is now getting another title shot against Zhang Wei Li that doesn't make any fucking sense. And then we've got the Megan Anderson getting set up against a soup can for a debut that they've already implicated is going to set her up for her title shot against Amanda, which doesn't make any sense either. And it's just like the only thing that you can actually count on being somewhat understandable in the UFC on the ladies' side right now is that even though Caitlin Shukagian really doesn't fucking deserve the shot that she's getting either, she's legitimately proven to be the number one contender at 125, and Valentina is going to reign there until they find a new Valentina, as far as I can tell. But at least Caitlin has legitimately worked her way up the rankings, and you can track back from her title shot she's getting coming up every fight she's been in has been a higher ranked opponent and she has legitimately won those fights. She's not coasting in off, you know, seven decisions in a row to get a title shot. Like we're looking at some other contestants still. Yeah. But as we've said in many different recent uh, episodes, the UFC internal workings are kind of a shit show right now. And legitimately, I'm hoping that once the the new year's break here that we're going to get sets in they can get their shit together take some time off that clearly everybody needs to and then when we get back into it in, you know the middle of January 2020 next year we get a little bit more of a a clear path going forward as to how UFC is really going to do 2020 proper because if you look at it as a whole since the transition since the buyout we might have more exposure but we're definitely not getting more quality right now and as a fan that that kind of sucks and it really does legitimately make it that much easier to start looking at more fights like the, the Bellators and the one FCs and God forbid, even the fucking rising cards and, you know, starting to get, you know, down the rabbit hole as it were in the MMA world and really branching out and being open to more, you know, rare organizational shows as it were. So I hope they get it together, but I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath.
0: <laughs> you know, well- as Mono shows that they put on this year, I can understand where they've had a hard time keeping their shit together. However, they've, you just said a second ago, they focused so much on the men's divisions, adding new talent. Take some time, add some talent to these other women's weight classes. Look, there are plenty of women fighters out there. Look, if you, you have to go do some dirty backhanded shit, there's some good fighters over in fucking Bellator. There's, good fighters in pfl that i've seen that could at least shake the division up a little bit i'm not saying they're yeah, going to be champions create but,
3: some fucking waves for crying yeah out.
0: you need to have for fuck's sake uh, the 145 pound division you need more than 77 fucking 10 fighters in it get 25 fighters that are there so that way there is a good little mix-up look i'm not saying all of them are going to be ranked and i'm not saying all of them are going to be great but at least give us a, a, something to showcase people that are upcoming against other up-and-comers not coming in and you're going to fight Megan Anderson because uh, Megan Anderson needs the next title shot and she needs to win before she gets that. Yep. You know, that kind of shit. Look, I get the UFC's mentality on it. On They have to do something in order to make the fights work. If you're going to do that, just bring the other fucking fighters in. The fights will come together. That's what yeah. happened with the men's divisions. When this sport first started, there wasn't a lot of fucking different fighters. You, well, you and there back, wasn't
3: rankings back then. Rankings weren't even a fucking thing in the early days. It was, do you want to fight? Can we be about the same size by the time fight day gets here? Cool, fucking A's. Let's sign the contract and do it then.
0: Yeah, and, and that was it. Now that there are the rankings there, it's not hard to add those extra fighters in. If Look, do your normal fucking... Two or three strikes, and you're out. You lose twice, you lose three, whatever, you're gone. Fuck it. There's plenty of other fish out there that are out there fighting. You guys just are not discovering them. In fact, how many women fighters have you seen come from the Contender Series? I think two. Yeah. Not very
3: fucking many. what four seasons now? And yeah, and that's like how four many seasons of contenders plus the Tuesday night contender series before that? Yeah,
0: And how many fucking men have they tried to cram down our throats as the next greatest thing?
3: I can. There was two on the last card alone. I think they've tried to put a dozen just in this year in 2019 in the contender series. Well, and yeah, tried to you, cram it in.
0: Fuck, just this this last card. You had the fucking youngest guy on the card, 20 years old. Wasn't even mm-hmm. old enough to have a fucking beer after his win. He has to go yeah. to the M M&M Factory. M M&M M&M. Factory. <laughs> Look, I, I get it. He he had a good sense of humor about it, but he still right. sounded 16 years old. I'm saying, that. I'm Prop, sure there's some fucking women out there that are
3: that age, right? Or still. Props to Ben Askren Jr., but you know,
0: right? well, that that was it. Although, Man, could he could take a punch? I thought that long neck was going to get him in a lot of trouble.
3: It was very, it was legitimately, that's, and that's one of the things that I talk about on the What Did I Say show is that for a a featherweight, he is six foot five and he wrapped around Daniel Tamer like a fucking legitimate boa constrictor from the side and had him in fairly good control when I thought he was really putting himself in danger with some of the shit that he was trying to do. But, you know, props to him. He fucking earned that W for sure, man.
0: Uh, You know, I, being as I, don't do that show I just have to say this about him he looks like Ben Askren really skinny but man did he latch on like Damian Maya? it was oh, fun he to watch did.
3: it was it was a hell of a thing to see man props to Chase Hooper who fucking Dana White three times in a row called him Hopper yeah fucking dick with ears Dana Dana in the post-fight press conference for 245 for those of you who didn't see it literally mispronounced almost every single person on that card's name. And it's like, this isn't one of those things where it's the first time he's seeing somebody's name. I'm talking about champions too. How many different ways can you say Amanda Nunez, Nunez, Nunez? Like he figures them all out. Same thing with Colby Usman, Usman, Colby Usman. Like it's, it's, Headache-inducing, I fucking tell you. Sometimes just to listen to the UFC's shenanigans. But, oof, uh, oof, I say. on from that, idiot. Yeah. Last uh, fight announcement I want to talk about real quick here. Um, just announced yesterday. I think it's actually going to be very fucking interesting. And I am definitely going to be watching. I encourage everyone else to as well. Um, On the February 15th card, the headline has just been added for BKFC ten one Hector Lombard versus Joe Diesel Riggs in the main event over on the gloveless side of the combat sport world. That one is going to be one hell of a fucking banger for those of you who will be watching that one with us. But... That is the last that I have of the news and recent events here. So that will bring us into the meat and potatoes, as it were, of this particular episode here. The card for this weekend's upcoming UFC 247, or not, excuse me, 247, UFC 165 Fight Night slash Boo South Korea. The second freshest card we've got, of the year. So we had to make it the second freshest episode we've got of the year. Welcome my good friend here Mr. Fresho 3 to the show ladies and gentlemen. What's happening? What's happening? There's
2: some dudes on some skids on this card.
3: There is some interesting fights on this card for sure. I agree 100%.
2: Yeah, there's going to be some people looking to looking to put on a show.
3: Going to put on a show on this one. So absolutely. So, I am going to take just a second here um, for a little prelim talk here because we're just mainly going to focus on main card here. But there are a couple of just interesting, noteworthy things on the prelim card that I do want to mention real quick. Um, Dong Hyun Ma is an incredibly crazy. Crazy young man, very zombie-esque, maybe a little wiry, maybe a little more energetic than the zombie even. Um, very, very interesting young up-and-comer here in the UFC side of things. Would be very interesting to watch him fighting another gentleman making his debut at 8-0, and so prospectively could be some nice fireworks there. Um, but I do want to take just a second to mention the premier prelim fight as it were, uh, one Cyril Gain versus Tanner Bowser. Um, these are two very, very interesting prospects at heavyweight. Um, Cyril Gain has got another one of those debatably earned slash unearned hype trains behind him, but he also has a very interesting highlight reel to go with that hype train. So um, I think even though Tanner Bowser is one hell of a chin and a very powerful heavyweight. I think uh, Gain has just a little bit too much of an edge, a little bit too much higher of a fight IQ and a little bit more of a well-rounded game than uh, Mr. Bowser here. So I do think that's definitely going to be an interesting fight to watch, but I think I, I'm anticipating a little bit of a clinic, as it were, from Mr. Gain. Uh, but from there, we will move right on to the main course, as it were. Uh, for the main card here. Um, The first fight, as it were, I would like to take a moment to mention here on this main card, the Korean Superboy himself. How can you not talk about Duho Choi being on this first South Korean card? Um, Charles Jourdain is an interesting wrestler uh, with some decent striking, but... Um, much like Dong Hyun Ma, Duho Choi is one of those very energetic, very bouncy younger prospects in the UFC coming out of the Asiatic chapter that they are starting to flock in now. Um, mm-hmm. I think Charles Jourdain is a damn good fighter unto himself, but I think Duho Choi is just too goddamn fast to be held down. And this is
2: like. Charles Jourdain his two matches that uh, he's really gotten really gotten in the UFC have been good examples of a really young inexperienced prospect
3: the potential needs you can to see
2: really work on <laughs> he needs to really work on his defense and yeah um, like he puts on good shows but he there's just He's just, he's, you know, he's not checking things. He's, he's not paying attention to things. And the Korean Superboy is not someone to, to practice your defense on. Like, he fuck will, no. he, he will knock you the fuck out.
3: He's going to expose the holes in your game real quick and real painfully. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he's tough to, yeah. I mean, I mean, Duo Choi's tough to take down. He's, he's energetic. He's all over the ring. His gas tank never runs out. Um, it's it's a it's a rough fight for a young guy to take, you know.
3: <laughs> Fuck yeah, it is. I'm, I give him mad respect, but yeah, take it, take
2: it. Show me something, Charles
3: Jordan. Show right? Me. Yeah, this is this is absolutely a moment that Charles Jourdain could make a hell of a name for himself if he can do something spectacular here. Yeah. Otherwise, I think Superboy going to put on a fucking clinic on this young man. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. It's a good. It's a good. Good. Good fight for Choi.
3: Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to watch. as for damn sure. It's going to be entertaining.
0: I I honestly feel bad for Charles for taking this fight. I really do. If people have been sleeping a lot on fighters that are coming out of Croatia, uh, Korea and Asia in general. As we've seen lately, there's been a large influx of them that are fucking amazing.
3: Fuck
0: yes. And... Look, any fighter that comes out of South Korea, they come in with a completely different mentality. Yeah, they are some tough motherfuckers. Over there.
2: Yeah, very pre- very precise. A lot yeah. of them are very really technical. really precise strikers, yeah. which is it's beautiful to watch.
0: In it's... hell, just in their normal everyday aspects of life, they're very precise in what they're doing. Yeah. But, I mean to know that you're getting people that are coming out of this same woodwork and same grain as the Korean zombie and they're fighting similarly that's not by chance that's because yeah that's no, not
3: coincidence.
0: That's because of the way that they train yep. And Korean Superboy he's been fucking looking legitimately fantastic like to be honest, this for Charles Jordan. This is a really bad, bad day at the office. Don't get me wrong. Everybody has the puncher's chance. We all say it. Everybody has a bad night. Charles Dirt, going to have to bring his A-plus homework in for this one and pray to God that he studied for the test because this is not going to be an easy one. You're not getting two plus two on this. You're not doing yeah. long division. Um, you, you're starting to do physics problems at this level now. Yeah. Like the,
2: the only way I see Jordan taking this is it takes it to the ground and works him on the ground. Like he's a he's a, he's, a, he's a he's a better all around fighter. I will give yeah. that to Jordan. He's a better all around fighter, but his defense isn't there.
0: Uh, I agree. The problem with Jordan is he's so goddamn rough because he's so green behind the ears. Yeah. He's not polished at all in any one specific area. Right. But he's got a good all around game, but that's how you can tell he's a prospect. He's yeah. so rough around the edges that yeah. it's hard to give him the benefit of the doubt in a situation like this. As much as I would like to say, yeah, I think it could go your way. Mm-hmm. Just from seeing what we've seen in the Korean Super Bowl, I don't think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, We'll find out come early Saturday morning. You know.
3: That's right. That's right. Way early Saturday morning for those who early. are not aware. The uh, main card for this South Korea uh, UFC fight night—and I use the word "night" in uh, air quotes here—main card starts at 4 a.m. Central Time Saturday morning. So it's it's yeah. going to be a, a late one, folks. That's if you want to
0: if you want to start the watch the early prelims, you better
3: be up at 1 a.m. sharp. 1 yeah, 1 a.m. Central Time is when prelims are going to kick off. So I mean, this this is going to be a late one plus
0: side i think their early prelims those were on um i think they were on espn if i remember yeah so uh, i believe so yeah yeah 1 a.m if you want to watch early prelims go ahead they'll be on espn guys
2: yep. <laughs> no, 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 son.
0: watch it later <laughs> 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 when they do a replay probably soon, <laughs> saturday night yeah no
3: shit saturday evening for sports center recaps <laughs> <laughs> that's it <laughs> oh but uh from there, um, I'm going to get to a point here before we jump into the uh, the the co and the main where us more hardcore fans can, can take a step back here and kind of catch our breath as it were, have a vape as some of us like to do and uh, let the show get a little less uh, aggressive to a certain degree, a um, little less hardcore, bring it down to a little more friendly aspect as it were, take things a little more casual and bring our casual corner into play and bring in our favorite casual to help us do that the one and only Miss Lumi if we can find her in the mist over there.
1: Your casual got... only did the main card.
3: This is the main card. This is
2: the
1: main I, card. I didn't do the co main event. I just
2: oh just the main event.
3: Oh just the main event. Yeah no that's that's give to the main well. event then. <laughs> Let's do you this. Can... Yeah, well, you can go right.
1: wing it. The little bit that I did look up on Vulcan, <laughs> I thought he was going to be Russian. Turns out he's Swiss.
3: Yes. So, Dutch.
1: He's the only person I looked up. So I'll go for him. As long as he's not a douchebag. Rooting for him. Fuck it. <laughs> no fucks.
3: Ostermere's a good dude.
1: Cool. Cool. Wish he was Russian, though. Really wish he was Russian. <laughs> <sighs> I was looking forward to a badass. Anywho. So Frankie versus Chan Sung Jung.
3: Yep, Chan Korean Sung zombie. Yep. Just Korea. Korean zombie.
1: Korean yep. zombie. So yes. I started looking up Frankie Edgar. Never actually went into that because I just saw how brutal Korean zombie was, and then I had to I had to verify the name of Korean zombie because I was like. That motherfucker better be knocking people out and turning them into zombies or he better be borderline zombie and still swinging. Luckily it's because he's borderline zombie and still swinging. So that works. So of course I'm going to go for him because I like the violence. Especially the tickle fights variety.
3: Zombie can bring the violence to, for it, you for it'd sure. Be,
2: it'd be very, very fearsome and precise tickles if you tickle fight the Korean zombie. Yeah. Like you would you would be going for your tickle and then he would be underneath you tickling the underside of your jaw.
1: Maybe, right. maybe, just maybe. Who'll accept my tickle fight if he ever comes out with a cool t-shirt?
2: You never know. You think you got the overhand tickle? You're coming over him with the overhand tickle? Next thing you know, he's got you in a guillotine tickle. Yep. So I
1: wanna I see some balls get tickled. But we leave that to the people before the ring when they just start tapping people's cucks. Just like, hey! That's right. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. It's the the casual's input. So the the Swiss dude and zombie dude.
3: Well thought out. Very nice. Much appreciated, ma'am. Thank you very much for your casual contribution here. We appreciate that. No
1: problem. Have fun.
3: So, moving along from the casualty section of the show here, that will bring us into the potatoes section, the nice Julianne side dish to our interesting main event here. One Vulcan, no time Ozdemir versus Alexander Rekic. Now, this is a very, very interesting 205 matchup because we have seen Ozdemir go from relative nobody to title contender to possibly falling out of fashion. And now we've got a nice little kind of resurgence starting potentially with Ozimir. But the problem with that is this young man named Ray who is coming fresh off of an absolute fucking nightmare knockout of OSP where he just fucking flatlined that gentleman in very, very dominant fashion. Looked very clean the match through, so it's not going to be an easy situation here. We've got a situation where both of these very, very prospective great light heavyweights here kind of have to use one another in this situation. One of those, you know, throw a tiger against the tiger and whoever wins gets a stake kind of thing. Um, neither one of these gentlemen I feel are going to be really detrimented by a loss here. I think this is one of the rare situations where whether you win or lose, as long as the match is decent, both of these gentlemen still stand to benefit from this fight specifically because it's a co-main event and they're going to have that much more eyes on them. Um, I think both of these guys come in with a very, very interesting skill set to help them get their point across and get their game plan initiated. But I feel like, Rickage in this situation being the younger fighter, having just a little bit more early hunger um, versus Ostomir, who's kind of been around the block and is coming back for his second pass here. Um, I think that young hunger might be just a little bit too much here. I don't think it's going to be an easy fight by any stretch of the imagination, but I also don't see this fight going to the judges. I think either late first round, early second round, I think we see Mr. Rakic, catch, uh, excuse me, catch. That Ozdemir Chin and no time to stay awake. I think we get a rakish victory on the co-main here. Hmm.
2: This is one of those ones where I think it's. I, I agree. I agree to a point that that um, Osamir doesn't really have a whole lot to lose at this point. Like, right? You know what you're getting. You know he's going to put on a good show. You can throw him in it. You can throw him in a match. But I mean. Is he ready to be a stepping stone type guy? Does he think he's ready to be a stepping stone type guy? Right. I don't. I don't think at this point in his career that he think that he sees himself as that. I think he sees himself as a contender. So I I see him go. I see I see balls to the wall. Like how long you know is he gonna? I I I could see this being a. I could see this being fight of the night. Honestly.
3: Yeah, it's got people potential go, for sure. Just
2: going for it. Just. Just a young guy that really he's he's on his way up. He needs someone to step over. Here you go. Here's your That's shot. Hell of a name. You got a, guy, too, got a right? guy who says, I'm not a stepping stone. Fuck you. So yeah, I think this could be fight of the night.
3: I agree. I agree completely. That's definitely potential there.
2: Yeah. I mean, the only other the only other fight that I could see being kind of fight of the night type thing would be the uh, the uh, park versus uh burial fight. Right,
3: which, yeah, yeah, that which right absolutely
2: has to be the night because those two those two dudes do give no fucks and they're just going to they're going to try and punch each other in the face as many times as they can.
3: Yeah, that's going to be a little rock'em sock'em robot tiny guy fight. It's going to be interesting for sure.
2: Yeah, that one that one that one could be you know that could be a lot a lot of fun. But, yeah, um, I agree. But yeah, I mean this is this is, this is this, is, this there, there's a little bit of a story going to this one, a little bit of a story so. Not that they're playing it up that way, but you know, people that are right. taking a look at the fight, like, uh, oh, you know, this could uh, this could be it for as far as contention, but you know, be one of Dana's guys, just keep hanging around.
3: Yeah, damn right, damn right. So
0: who knows? Who knows? Um, I the young guy.
3: I'll give it to the young guy. give it I'm to the
0: young gonna have to disagree on both fronts here. Really? For this don't get me wrong, Alexander obviously hungry because he's been destroying his last couple of fights here in the UFC. This is where I have to say I put the asterisk on this for this reason. If you look at who Volkan has lost to in his last couple of fights, where he actually lost. He won his last fight, but mm-hmm. his the two fights that before that hit, he lost mm-hmm. Anthony, Lionheart, Smith and Dominic Reyes. Both hard fights, too. Both stupidly hard fights. One already fought for the title. One is about to fight for the title. He's literally been fighting the best of the best. Look, Mm -hmm. I get it. It's hard to climb the mountain when you're fighting those guys at the top. I think after that last win that got him right back on track, he's going to start moving that mountain again. I Unfortunately for the young guy, I think this is where he's gonna fall a little short. Because Vulcan has fought those high level guys, he's been to that peak. So he knows what to expect. He's been able to adjust his game plan a little bit, just the way he's training because of that types of fights he's had. Whereas Alexander has not had those types of fights yet. Don't be wrong, he's not fought any, I won't call them slouches at this point. Right. but they're definitely not to the same caliber of fights that Ozmir has had.
3: Vulcan has. And I, I can see that. I, I think, can see that as well.
0: I think that little bit of just having those tough losses to such great fucking opponents yeah. is going to be the difference maker in this. And I'm not saying that Alexander doesn't have the possibility of winning this, because he very well does. To be honest, this fight is, in my eyes, it's a little closer to a coin flip, because of where they're at right now in their careers prospectively. Vulcan's not, he's not old by any means at this point in the sport. No. He's still hes still pretty green. Uh, I mean, Alexander is obviously green as well, but he's tearing through the ranks, which, for him, that's the hard thing to stop is somebody on a roll, but the other hard thing to stop, somebody who's been there and fought those tough guys too. And I mean, if I'm going to have to give it to somebody, I'm going to have to give it to Vulcan purely on looking... At their records and who they fought, there's a different caliber of fights there, right? and that generally does a lot for somebody. Even if you're losing those fights, it helps you a lot in the long run. Yeah. So and this is. I, can the young guy step up? And that's the thing is, I don't see Bulkin being the gatekeeper right now either. Yeah. He, yeah he's no, not. He's not that point where he's. He's not going to end up being the gatekeeper for the division, period. Yeah. There's plenty He's of other guys him. that are in that heavyweight category, OSP being one of them, or light heavyweight category, OSP being one of them, who is more likely to be a gatekeeper. I mean, Alexander managed to avoid a Von Fluchoke. Good job. and, and that, That's fucking fantastic, but I'm just saying, he could have been one of those victims. Uh, I mean, we did see one this year, so... but. I have to give it to Vulcan here, purely on. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna call it like a college football strength of schedule. <laughs> I have to give it to Vulcan on this one. Uh, purely on iron
2: sharpens iron.
0: Yep, it really does. I mean, you I see, see a lot, that. and I mean, he didn't have. He didn't take any devastating fucking career-altering knockout or anything like that. Yeah, he got beat up, yeah. but it wasn't bad enough to where it. Influence the rest of his career because we've already seen him bounce back and have a good solid win. So I really think that iron sharpens iron here, and um, Vulcan's gonna take it. It may not be a lot, but I have a feeling he's gonna end up winning this fight.
3: Interesting, I can absolutely see that possibility as well. Yeah, I could see it definitely going to be something we're going to have to keep an eye on because that is absolutely either way it plays out going to be a potentially very very good match to watch I believe but that subsequently will bring us into the tomahawk steak of the evening the big gristly deliciousness of the meat in the meat and potatoes section of the meat and potatoes segment in the meat and potatoes portion that is the show's main event Of the evening, the title fight, the marquee, as it were, for this weekend's upcoming UFC Fight Night 165 slash UFC Fight Night South Korea slash Busan battle slash the fight that we ended up with without realizing it was the fight that we're still kind of interested to see. What was originally slated to be the return of one T City Ortega. But due to a subsequent injury, we have now ended up with the answer and the zombie for our main event in the South Korean card, which I have to be honest. At first, my knee-jerk reaction when I heard that Frankie was stepping up, I really wasn't sure how to feel about it at all, especially being he still technically has a fight booked for January 28th against Corey Sanhagen at 135 pounds just a month and change after he's going to step up on a week and a half's notice to fight the Korean zombie of all fucking people at 145 pounds. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been an interesting menagerie of unfolding to get us to where we are now. But the more that I've gone over the the highlights of both of these gentlemen, the more that I've sat down and just mold around about the, the results either way from this fight potentially falling through, I think it's still going to be one of those fights that's going to end up being interesting enough for everyone to really want to watch, even though it's not necessarily the thing that everyone was tuning in originally to watch for. I think the fact that Frankie is putting himself in this Cerrone-esque position, for lack of a better term, literally being willing to jump to any weight class to any day, any fucking notice for a fight, who needs a fight? I can make it there. I can be that weight on that date. I have fucking signed that contract. I got another fight next month. Don't fucking worry about it. I'll be good. 10 pounds lighter, not even an issue. I got you boss. Frankie Edgar on the god fucking line. Let's sign some posters. I'm on my way to South Korea. Okay. Props the fuck to Frankie Edgar for being that type of motherfucker. But I don't know that the Korean zombie is the guy that you want to take that lightly, for lack of a better terms. And I understand that Frankie Edgar being the consummate fucking professional that he is, I have zero doubt he will make weight and be there ready to show, you know, ready to fucking put on a show with bells on like the professional that he is. The problem is he's taking a fight on a week and a half's notice against an absolutely dangerous motherfucker in Changseon Jung, the Korean zombie himself. At the same time, still in the back of his mind, keeping up the fact that in three and a half weeks, he's got another fight against a very dangerous opponent at a very different weight class, which is going to put his body in a whole completely different state of being. And that's a very serious thing that you have to take into consideration. Not that I don't have all the faith in the world in Frankie Edgar still being a legitimate badass, but can you be that much of a badass at 145 pounds while still having to consciously split your brain and keep in the back of it, you have a fight in three weeks against another very dangerous, very different fighter in a very different weight class that your body will have to reacclimate for. And as much as I love Frankie, I don't think he has or really anyone has that much mental capacity to be able to focus as much as you need to to fight the zombie now and then still mentally keep preparing to fight Corey fucking Sanhagen and a whole different weight class next month. And I love me some Frankie, but I think this is going to be a situation where he's stepping in just a little too distracted for his own good, too much focused as he legitimately should be, on Corey Sanhagen at 135, and I think that distraction is going to be all the zombie needs to go in and impose his will and show why that fucking legitimate fluke of all fucking flukes in that fucking Yair elbow was just that, nothing more than a Hail Mary last second, oh shit, I'm losing, something's got to stick, fucking maneuver that he pulled off and that before that attention grabbing oh shit moment he was handily winning a fight in the fight that people were watching to see how well he would be able to hang against Yair and he was not only hanging he was hanging that motherfucker out to dry he was whipping that dude like a freshly washed rug it was ridiculous and I don't think a dude of that caliber can be overlooked even in a slightest situation, let alone with the situation that poor Frankie has got going on in his mind, not to wish the man bad luck, but I don't think Frankie has the ability to focus as much as he needs to for the zombie and still have Sanhagen in the back of his mind and pull this off. I think the zombie is going to have his way with Mr. Edgar this, this weekend.
2: Yeah, and I see, I see a uh, six month medical suspension sitting on Dana's desk right now with Frankie yeah. Edgar's name all over it. Yeah, I
3: don't, I don't um, think the the Sanhagen fight's going to make it after this.
2: No, no. So they'll be looking for someone else to fill in against Sanhagen. Um,
3: which I mean, it's it's
2: interesting. Um, I kind of get why Frankie Edgar would do this. Like he's like, wait a minute, if I maybe if I take out the Korean zombie, I can get a shot.
3: Right? Puts himself back into contention. Yeah, puts himself
2: back into contention after taking his loss. You know, that's, it's, it's, it makes sense. It makes sense why he would take this fight. Um, Even, you know, even against a guy like this, I mean, he's fought, he's fought people similar. He hasn't fought this guy, but he's fought people similar in the past and had success. Um, You know, there's always a, there's always the puncher's chance. There's always the grappler's chance. Um, Edgar's definitely a better grappler. Than the Korean zombie is, I'll say that yeah. for him. But the thing about the Korean zombie, he's he's almost impossible to take down. He's another one of those dudes. He's like a yeah. like seventy five percent of the time he stuffs it. So yeah, three out of four get times you a shot at him, he's gonna stuff it. Yeah. And you know, Edgar Edgar's not that good of a grappler. He's a good grappler. He's not that good. He's not a dude who's gonna take down take down someone who's un, untakeable. Um, you're you're running into he's running into a brick wall, and I think he. I get why he's doing it I get it you know it's a, it's a fight purse it puts me back in contention there's also you know there's all sorts of factors going on that you know Frankie Edgar has to take in has to take into account and I totally I totally get it I totally get why you would take this fight um it's like all right you know this is, a, this is a bad motherfucker but I think I've got a I think I've got a shot at him I'll take yeah. it I'll take it Dana yeah sure you, I'll take the purse and we'll we'll see where things go. See where things go from here i think he's i think it's a i don't think it's a particularly good fight to take short i don't think i don't think taking the korean zombie on a short on a short fight is is a good idea in anybody's for anybody to do um he's too per, he's too precise he's too powerful he's quick his gas tank doesn't run out he's another one of those dudes where it's just going to be it's just he's he's fucking relentless he's another one of those dudes that's fucking relentless like if he's not if he's not working you for a submission of some sort, he's gonna be working the legs, he's gonna be working the body, he's gonna do whatever, whatever the fuck it takes to win a fight. And he's precise, and that's the thing, that's the thing about watching, watching the zombie that's that's always fun. It's like, he's always just, he's just always just measuring that spot. He's picking his, he's picking his spots, and then all of a sudden, or he's got you locked into something crazy, and you're like, whoa, I did not see that one coming. And it took a fucking Hail Mary, it took a fucking Hail Mary to take the dude out. Yes. you know he's got to be. You know he's got to be pissed off about that, and he's in his andy he, and he's in. It's not not hometown, but it, you know, he's in the in front of the home audience.
3: Yeah, debut South Korean show. He gets to headline. Yeah, yeah. I, I he's, gonna,
2: he's got he, he's got he's got something to prove. And I, I, poor Frankie Edgar, I love Frankie Edgar. You, you got to give him you got give him all the credit in the world for showing up and taking this fight. Fuck yeah, like, like I get why you're doing it, Frankie. I feel bad for probably what's coming. And like I said, Dana's got a six month medical suspension, just sitting on his desk, waiting to sign off on this shit. Like, like it's, you know, maybe you get it back. Maybe you get that. Maybe he promised him the shot back, you know, down the road too.
3: Yeah. could be.
1: There's
2: no telling what sort of, what sort of, what sort of word of God deals, uh, uh, Dana White is, is laying out for people, but Frankie Edgar, Frankie Edgar. Thanks. Thanks for playing. I, 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 I hope your consolation prize is worth it.
0: Right. Well, uh, I don't even know where to start with this, except for, um, first, I hope T-City heals up quick, fast, and in a hurry. Absolutely. So we can see him back inside the cage again here soon. I'm still befuddled as to why the UFC, Dana, Shelby and all of them, would let, Frankie, take this fight or even offer it to him. I'm short notice. Look, I get it. He's been kind of a company man. He has been kind of a Donald Troni when it comes to fights. You need a guy? Yeah, I'm your guy. I'll fucking fight. And I love him for that because he always puts on a show. It doesn't matter who he's fighting. He'll, he'll go and you literally have to fucking kill that man to put him away. There's only been one person who's actually knocked him out. That's the guy who had to pull out of the fight for injury. Yep. yep. I'm just saying, that's the only dude who's ever knocked him out. Do I think he's going to get knocked out here? No, not yep. by any means. To be honest, this thing is going to go to a decision. I'm going to yep. call it now. This is not going to be a, a short fight, not by any sense of the imagination. Frankie's been in fucking camp, albeit for Sandhagen. He's been in camp. So he's going to be trained, he's going to be in good shape. He's going to be ready to fight. Uh, on the one hand, I want to say, yeah, he's going to be able to um, compartmentalize not having to fight in a month versus fighting now. But we all know that's not the case because you were so heavily focused on your next opponent as he should be, being as he is the consummate professional that he is. Right. And I've never seen him overlook anybody. Never. And to take this on short notice, with, I would say, arguably one of the toughest fighters in this division. Yeah, absolutely. I agree that's a that. that's a that's a scary prospect to say. Yeah, I'll do this on short notice. I'm saying they probably backed a dump truck full of money up to his house and dumped it in his pool, drained the pool out, dried it all off, and then counted it out for him after they did so. Mm-hmm. Then refilled this pool. That's all I'm saying. There's no other reason to take this fight. Not when you had a fantastic fight lined up at 135. Look, you were dropping down a weight division. Something that you've never fucking played with in your life. At least not in recent memory. Right. And you're going to fight at 145. You fought here before. You've been down this road. Not a big deal. But you're fighting the Korean fucking zombie. that's really that's a strange thing to take on such a short notice and then say yeah i still expect the fight in a month no dude look i, I get it you're a, one of those positive forward thinkers of things are going to go well you have to be in this kind of sport you have to think you can't think i'm going to go in there and get my ass kicked otherwise it's going to happen you have to have the i'm going to win mentality win lose or drop thing. that's comes with this board in general, period. But you, I'm pretty sure you've watched the Korean zombie fight before on more than one occasion. I'm sure you got, in fact, I'm guessing at some point there was probably a card you two fought on at the same time, just not against each other. Right. Mm-hmm. This is a scary prospect on such short notice because you, the Korean zombie you have to kill to put away, or you literally have to pick all fucking six numbers and a Powerball. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- that's the only way you win that. And the Hail Mary, whatever you want to call it, he's Rodriguez luckiest son of a bitch alive to have won that fight.
2: Yep.
0: And the stupid amount of luck that came with that. And you're going to be fighting in South Korea. This is the other big kid. He gets to fight at home. He never fights at home. Do you know how... Mm-hmm. Look... Don't wrong. There's definitely going to be some pressure on his shoulders because of that. You're headlining a card in South Korea, so there's some pressure. But it's home turf. You don't have to travel. You get to sleep with your wife every night.
2: You can take the train right to the stadium. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Fucking train to Busan. There you go. Yep. Fucking gold. I'm just saying, there's – that's a bad prospect. It, knowing how just accurate and precise – zombie is that's a whole different style of fight than Frankie's used to
3: right and it's a very different style from Sanhagen which is what he was preparing for it
0: And don't get me wrong I know he's going to come on there and he's going to put it in the show but I really just I don't think that he's going to have what it takes here because of the short notice if you had given him a full fight camp for this I definitely could see it going yeah. his way but not on short notice like this and then especially to have that in the back of your mind, I've got to fight in three weeks. Is What is he going to do when he goes in there? Is he just going to dance for a fucking five rounds, try to avoid getting hit? Or is he going to try to take it to the ground to try to absorb less damage? That that would be my thoughts, because if I'm him and I want to fight in that month against San Hagen, I'm either going to be doing a whole lot of fucking footwork, or I'm going to be trying to get this fight to the ground so I'm not taking a lot of damage, because if you really want that fight, that's what you got to do. But I'm guessing they put some sort of stupid amount of money to include the purse that he would have got for fighting Sanhagen. To compensate, yeah. But I feel bad for fucking Sanhagen because he's going to get fucked too now right? and have to take somebody on short notice that he wasn't prepared for And I mean, I've even seen it on some of his social media posts. He's pretty pissed about this. and he should be. Rightfully so. You guys had this inked. It is what it is, but this, I think Frankie's just in a l- little over his head, not because he can't do it, but because he's underprepared. Yeah. And that's purely on the time thing. You don't have enough time to prepare for somebody like the Korean Zombie on one week, two weeks, not even a month's notice. Yeah. You need a full fight camp for him, period. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be the fucking reigning champ in the division right now at 145, and guess what? You're still. Still gonna need the fucking the time to prepare for him. I mean, it's just a uh, asinine to think that um, he can win this. It's, don't get me wrong, he definitely has a shot. He's a legitimate professional, but I just don't see it happening. Then on the other side of that though, he's—I don't think he'll get finished though either.
2: No, Frankie Edgar's tough. He's a of son of a bitch. I'm
0: positive you're right. He's probably going to be looking at a 6-month medical. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, if he's lucky 3 months. Yeah. And but, uh, the zombie's
2: not only precise, though he's got heavy fucking hands too. Like he's going to do damage. And thinking that you're going to be able to take a fight another fight in 3 weeks after you fight this dude or a month and a half or however long it is. Like it's just it's not happening. Nah,
0: it's and not don't happen- want- and I know Frankie can take damage. We've seen sure. it. Go back to the fucking wars. He had gray with Maynard. I'm just saying. The dude can take some fucking damage. He can take a licking and keep on ticking. He's proved it over and over again. So, And the only thing that I can say for him right now is he is indeed the answer. As in. Hello? Yes, I'll take that fight. There's your answer. Right. And look. I have nothing but respect for that because, you know, Donald Cerrone does the same shit. As much as I bitch about that, seeing fighters do that a lot, I have a lot of respect for them doing it on short notice like that, especially when you're at the level of the guys, uh, Frankie and Cerrone are those are the type of guys who take those fights and they're at that high level of the sport. That's fucking awesome, especially as a fight fan. But on the other side of it, when you're getting in a fight like this, I want to be way more excited about this fight than I am. I really do. Like the matchup is fucking fantastic. Had he had the proper amount of time to train. Yeah, right. Uh, I, think, I think that's, I think that's, that's my totally, biggest
2: problem. A, totally a guy who would give who would give the zombie trouble with a full camp. It's right. Totally. I think,
3: I think that's my biggest problem with it. Really, is that with a full camp and you know full time to let that fight sink in, Frankie versus Zombie, knowing that that's coming, watching them both get a legitimate camp for it would be a great fight but what we had built up prior to a week ago was the return of t-city the first time we'd get to see ortega back in the cage after that devastating fucking loss to max the first time in 2019 we would see ortega in the cage and at the same time the zombie would be a perfect test for not only what ortega could come back with but what uh, the zombie could potentially rise to become if he were to, you know, take out in a predominant fashion Ortega on his return, who just fought for the belt in his last fight yep. that could put the zombie right up into the stratosphere. Whereas now, even if we get a great, you know, finish against Edgar somehow from the zombie, it's still against the short notice guy who isn't going to really do a whole lot for his, his boost in the rankings off of a win here. Hey. Whereas if Frankie wins, he's, you know, the hero who comes in on short notice and takes
0: out the zombie. You know, on the other side of that, though, Frankie, that's a feather in your cap. It doesn't matter if you True. took it on short notice or not. And guess what? True. That's a really large feather because that dude is a mainstay of the UFC and always puts on phenomenal fights. So if he takes him out in fucking dominant fashion... Look, I have no problem saying, yeah, throw him up there with the number top five ranked guys. Like, Give him a number three. Let him fight a number three after this. If he if he right. dominates Frankie, give him a number three fighter. If he wins that, give him a shot at the fucking belt. Because you know yeah. what? At that point, he's fucking earned it. I mean, Frankie's no fucking slouch. He's going to give the Korean Zombie every fucking thing that the people are paying to see. And then some. So it, it'll be interesting, but unfortunately, I just don't think Frankie has it purely on the lack of camp time for this.
3: Yeah. I agree. I agree. But with that, that will wrap up our UFC South Korea breakdown here. A um, couple more things here before we close out the show. Um, I do also want to give everybody a heads up, um, Later on in the evening, not 5 a.m., when we're going to have this crazy fucking South Korea card for UFC, um, later on at normal, reasonable Saturday night times, um, we also do have this weekend the Bellator 236 USO show where Lee Malay McFarland will defend her women's uh, uh, phantom weight title down in the home of Hawaii. So another hometown situation here. Going to be an interesting fight card over there. Maybe not the whole card, but... There are definitely some interesting fights over there. And then even though this weekend is the last UFC card of 2019, Bellator isn't content. They are squeezing one more in. They will have Bellator 237, the final fight of Fedor versus Rampage Jackson on December 29th, as well as PFL having an actual New Year's Eve Event, if you are so inclined for punchy kicky while the ball be dropping. Uh, but other than that, there is one more little special thing that I wanted to do here. Um, and I'm absolutely thrilled to death that I've got uh, the wonderful Fresh 03 here for this one as well. Um, if the luminescent one would like to come back and give her a casual take on it, she is more than welcome to. But I have a feeling she had not prepared for this segment in her casuality. Uh, but what I do want to do, since we had such a crazy fucking top to bottom 2019, be it Bellator, be it UFC, be it BKFC, be it combat jujitsu, be it EBI, be it any one of the Quintet or Polaris events, the insanity that was the 2019 combat sports year had so many incredible ups and downs that before we close out the final I'm no Joe podcast of the 2019 year, I wanted to take just a moment here and uh, give everybody a chance to go over what they feel was either the the biggest or the best or the most influential, the what they feel is their biggest fight from the 2019 year. And I'll, I'm going to hold out and I'll, I'll close it out, but uh, I will let either one of you gentlemen go first, whichever you would like to go. Go ahead, golf.
0: I've got a couple of them here. It was hard for me to narrow down. And I've I got understand. some that y'all, some of y'all may not agree with, but um, this, the first one I want to start with is my biggest dark horse that I think a lot of people will probably overlook on this, but it was one of my favorite fights of the year. Paul Felder, Edson Barbosa too.
3: Fuck yeah. Great that fight. was a battle. That was that a was great a, fucking It was a fucking, fucking
0: fantastic back-and-forth war. The decision could have went either way. Felder came away with it. But either way, that was one, in my eyes, one of the greatest fights of the fucking year. Those guys literally went to town with each other again, just as they did the first go around. Yep. And so to be close, honest,
3: Barbosa pur- or, uh, proposed the uh, commission to try and get the decision overturned.
0: Yeah, it was that fucking close. <laughs> and uh, look, I, I get it why you did it at the same time. You gotta take the L. Yep in my eyes, look, you won the first one, you won the second one, you know what that tells me? Eventually, all of us are going to win, because we all get to of see a third one buck eventually. On.
3: Buck, yes, I am absolutely down at any point for a fucking trilogy in that run. Absolutely.
0: And another one that I thought was a dark horse, albeit not a, it, it wasn't a decision, there was dominant victory there, was um, Donald Troni and Alexander Hernandez. That was a great fucking Alex fight. Alex the as well. Great that was and Donald Cerrone there. That the was the
3: emergence f- of Dad Cowboy.
0: Yeah, because Alexander was giving him all he could handle at first, and then fucking Cerrone just comes back,
3: good beats night. a
0: break off, hits him with a head kick, and set him up for it. Yeah, that was by far one of the other greatest fights I've seen this year. Albeit it was only a round and a half or two rounds. Yeah, it was fucking fantastic to watch just to see how well that worked out. It was going one way it looked like Strani was going to lose. Strani pulled his head out of his ass because he is a slow starter. That motherfucker is notoriously slow for starting. Yep. Kind of strange considering that guy does all kinds of other crazy shit and you need to be quick-witted, but hey, whatever. Uh, <laughs> no, that, that was definitely a tough one. And then uh, when you he said fight of the year. I, I stuck strictly with UFC. However, I do have to mention um, we have to go back and BKFC it as well. Um, Got to go back to the Artem Lobov, the GOAT. That first fight, fucking that, that one is up there as well. But I did keep it to the UFC for my list. So that's just going to be an honorable mention on my list because that was a fantastic fucking boxing match right there of the bare knuckle variety. Hell um, yeah. The other two that I have on my list, I, I had a hard time swaying away from them as much as I wanted to but because they were they were higher profile fights. The Paula costa Romero fight. Yes. That was just an all-out stand-up bang-all war see who can punch harder and you know what as a fight fan every once in a while i like to see two fucking just yoked up motherfuckers swing at each other that's it <laughs> there's awesome. no more reason for me to say that, that was the fucking great fight other than they were literally trying to make each other's souls leave their bodies yes, and it, it was just fantastic to watch But what I had to say um, was probably the hands-down one, as much as I don't want to, because I don't like one of the fighters at all in it, was the Israel Adesanya-Kelvin Gastelum fight back in April. At least I think it was in April. And that was a beautiful war of attrition between the both of them. They both had their moments, and Israel finally fucking got it done there at the end, which then in turn led to where he's at now. But that one... Had one of the best ones, but to be honest, my quite favorite fight of the year out of all of those is still the Paul Felder Ed Zinbarbosa fight. Uh, I, even over the Israel Adesanya Calvin Gasol fight, even though that one had more implications as to what was going on in the division, that Paul Felder Ed fight, though, that was that was by far my favorite fight of the year. I good
2: list. Yeah. I mean, Bar- Barboza Felder was one of one of the best one of the best fights of the year easily. Um, Fuck yeah, two equal dudes who respect the shit out of each other, just going back and forth. And yeah,
3: they they train in the same room. They were in the same fucking sauna for the weight cut and shit for that fight. Like that was the least animosity of any fucking fight of the year. <laughs> yeah.
2: and it was one of the yeah, it was one of the best easily. Yeah, and it was, it was one of just absolute back and best back fights. and forth. You never knew who you never knew in that fight who was gonna win. Like I, I think yeah. all. I think all of us were sitting there like I don't know.
3: Yeah, no, I was selected go for that, that whole fucking fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: But um I think I I TJ brought up the fight. I mean it's Israel Israel uh, Adesanya versus uh, Kevin Geslam. Um I don't think that is just one of the best fights this year. I think that goes I I would put it top fifteen. Fights of all time in the UFC. Um,
3: I agree with that. And
2: yeah, because it, it was it was two dudes that both of them came in with a strategy, and they stuck to it to the bitter fucking end. Like both of them were just both of them were just leveling shots, working their game. And you got to respect that. You got to respect that sort of fight where it's just it's technique versus technique. Who's yeah? It like, you
3: could absolutely what? see it was a battle of game plans, and they were both sticking to their fucking game plan.
2: Yeah, and and they know it was you know, they adapted their game plan as they as they went and You like every every round was just something a little different something a little different all of a sudden all of a sudden Here's israel trying to lock in like a like a try like a guillotine or You know i've been working headshots and i'm gonna work body And now i'm coming back to that headshot for guest It's it was that's what, that's what mixed martial arts is all about. The, the, the varying styles and seeing, seeing how they mesh and seeing how that fight, just seeing just the tide of the fight working back and forth, back and forth. Because you thought Israel was down. Like, he took, he took a couple tumbles. Oh, yeah,
3: he, took a, he took some of the hardest shots of his career in that yeah. fight.
2: And he still got back up. And he still, even, even shook, he still kept working that game plan. And he adapted that game that game plan just enough, just enough. And Gesselum kept it, he adapted his game plan. And it was just back and forth, back and forth. Two amazing fighters. Two amazing fighters. Think what you will about the individuals, but amazing fucking fighters. <laughs> just working their styles and, and seeing that seeing how the game and seeing how their games just kept stepping up, stepping up, stepping up, stepping up. And it was just it was a beautiful fucking fight. Beautiful fucking fight. Like I said, I, I I would put that top fifteen UFC all time, all time. That's that's how highly I think of that fight. So
3: I, I can that, absolutely agree with
1: that.
2: That's oh, my, yeah. that's that's my thoughts on fight of the year.
3: <laughs> very nice, very nice fight as well. So just like TJ here, I I had a real real hard time cutting down to just one, and I more than most people, not to fucking toot my own horn in any way, but I, more than most people that you talk to, am legitimately obsessively rabid about combat sports. I watch fucking everything. I watch quintets. I watch the Polaris. I watch the submission of Undergrounds. I watch combat jiu-jitsu. I watch the high rollers. I watch the regular no Nogis. I watch the IBJJF competitions this year as well. I watched the UFCs. I watched one FC. I watched rise. And every once in a while, I watched the BKFCs. I watched the Bellators. I watched the Bellator kickboxing. Like I am balls deep in combat fucking sports. So to have to pick one that I put myself into, was a pain in the dick. So I did have a couple of dark horses here um, just for overall coverage sake that I do want to give my honorable mention to Um, the first one, just like TJ mentioned earlier, Artem Lobov versus Jason Knight 1 in BKFC set the fucking standard for how badass Bare Knuckle really can be. Between the two of them, they ended up with over 100 stitches and sutures to put their fucking faces back together, hugged after the fight and are still best friends and have fought again since then. And even after fighting again after that, have said if they are not against each other, they are in each other's corners to the death. These are two gentlemen at the epitome of fucking mutual respect and friendship and at the same crossroads, the epitome of professionalism willing to go in there and throw the fuck down and give everything in the fucking ring. And you have to give respect to that kind of fucking dedication to two of the legitimate goats in fucking combat sports, in my opinion my next dark horse here is, and it's not maybe necessarily the best fight of the year, but I feel it's one of the most influential fights of the year because not only did it kind of put somebody back on the map that had kind of somehow slid under the radar, but it put a fucking dead to nuts stop to a hype train that too many ignorant casuals had jumped on and gotten way too fucking loudmouthed about. And that is... Douglas Lima versus MVP. Lots of people had 100% confidence coming into this that MVP was going to do some big, flashy, glitzy, glammy bullshit like you been doing and throw that fucking point karate style right in Douglas Lima's face. And people forgot who the fuck the Lima brothers are. And Douglas Lima came out and put MVP to fucking sleep after he made him do the fucking stanky leg that was a fucking beautiful ending to a very very crude hype train built on pizza delivery guys and fucking soup cans and it set douglas lima up to become the fucking champion over in bellator so aside from just shutting fucking mvp up and putting a little humble pie in his fucking face for a change, it legitimately set Douglas on that path to get the fucking belt that I feel like he absolutely earned. So that's another dark course that I want to mention here. Um, Oh,
0: I agree 100%. I don't know how that one slipped my mind, because that was (laughs) fucking fantastic. And not because it was the greatest fight of the year, but just purely the outcome.
3: Yeah. So then... Now, when we come back to the UFC, which is, you know, obviously the main thing that we cover here, the thing that we talk about the most here, um, I had one dark horse that I think was very important for the year of 2019 overall, and actually is, is carrying its influence in over to 2020. Um, and then one for me that was just the most important overall because of everything that it, it set into motion here. Um, my dark horse from the UFC most important fight, maybe not the biggest, maybe not the most happiest of results, but I feel one of the most influential fights of 2019 for the UFC is Rose Namajunas versus Jessica Andrade. And I know that Lumi has given me the dirtiest fucking look ever from behind the camera right now, and I don't give a shit because this fight, despite the fucking horrible, horrible outcome that it had, has set up an entire fucking whirlwind in the ladies' 115 division that has, even though we're looking at being brought back again to a, a almost cringeworthy cyclical nature, I, I believe it's still going to roll on through. But the unfucking flinching strength of Rose Yunus, despite. What I personally feel should have been in a legal slam by Jessica Andrade directly on her fucking neck to lose that uh, lady's belt was just unbelievably important to the year of 2019, both for what it's done for Rose and taking her time off, also for the chain of turnovers that is created with the belt itself. Since then, the emergence of the importance of MMA from China and Zhang Li. And now what we're getting ready to see coming up in the 2020 carryover of it in uh, Zhang Weili defending that 115 belt against its previous contender and, you know, namesake, arguably, the strawweight belt, the strawweight queen herself, I use air quotes very strongly, Joanna uh, check. So I don't agree with the fight I don't agree with the outcome, but I feel that it's important enough of a fight in the year and the impacts that it's had that
0: it has to be mentioned as well yeah that's uh, that's actually a very befitting thing that went on. not i not the outcome we wanted but it definitely set a lot of wheels into fucking motion that's for sure. right and then for my
3: my actual 2019 biggest slash most important fight of the year um it like i said it was it was legitimately pretty difficult for me to narrow it down to one but i ended up actually being able to chip it down to a single fight that i feel had the biggest overall impact in the entire world of combat sports not just particularly in the ufc but definitely started in the ufc that is the israel adesano versus anderson silva fight itself not just because israel won that fight but because of what we saw in that fight we saw the respect right alongside with the ability and the technical prowess that israel adesanya had against the man who was legitimately considered the benchmark of precision and technical fighting in combat sports not just in ufc in anderson the spider silva there's a reason When you decimate someone in pure, beautiful, technical fashion, they would call it Anderson silva in people because he set that much of a fucking benchmark. And then to see Israel Adesanya not only go in there and stand toe-to-toe with him, but go move for move and almost look like you were watching Anderson spar in a fucking mirror from the beginning of that fight to the end, strike for strike, technique for technique, It was literally giving you just a a little glimpse into the greatness that Israel Adesanya had within him. And then we watched throughout the the rest of the year in the Gastelum fight and then in the Whitaker fight just exactly how much more there was waiting within Adesanya. Whether it was the five-round fucking absolute war of attrition versus Gastelum or the izzy he's got pillow pe- or pillow hands and no fucking knockout power as he puts Robert Whitaker, Bobby Knuckles to fucking sleep to take the belt and decimate the legacy of you know the Reaper himself and becoming the the middleweight champion that he is that I feel he's going to be very hard to contend with and just seeing how far he has come. From that amazing fight with Anderson Silva, I, I have to give that my number one for the year.
0: It's ironic that I was talking about that one before the show started, because <laughs> no, that, feel... that that was up there. I was like, I just didn't know where to put it in. Granted, I had some other thoughts on fights that I really thought were up there too. It that makes me want to rethink my list again. It's hard to <laughs>
3: narrow spider, it down. Spider. Yeah, it really
0: was. There was so many great fucking fights all the
3: way across the board in 2019. It was it was legitimately tough to whittle it down, even to just to just a couple here, man. It, it really was. I, I really feel like we had, for as much as we bitch about some of the shit that we got spoon fed this year, we really did get lucky and get a lot of really great matchups this year. And from what we've got announced so far, 2020 has got some some very interesting and some very good potential. Matchups coming for us in the early part of it so far. So, knock on wood that it stays that way because we've got some fucking bangers in the works here that I really hope will actually make it to fruition in early 2020. Oh,
0: it's too bad they gave somebody fucking five months to pull out. Oh, I'm
3: telling <laughs> yeah. you, it's there's yeah, there's there's some some that I refuse to get excited about until we see the fucking cage get closed because there's just been. Can't keep playing with my emotions, Smokey.
0: Yeah, no, I think you get people's weight problems under control. The UFC would be in good fucking shape. (laughs) Oh, shit. But
3: that is what we have got for this, the second freshest and the final. I'm no Joe episode of the 2019 calendar year. I want to thank everybody who came along with me on this journey. That was 2019. And I cannot wait to show you guys all of the shit that I have got in the works to keep this train rolling in 2020 because we're not slowing down we're not stopping i don't give a fuck if i have one person watching no people watching 300 people watching this train's fucking going i have got things in the works i have got schemes and plans aplenty. we are fucking rolling on in 2020 i promise you will be even better than 2019 was so thank you to everyone that has helped support the i am no joe podcast in the 2019 year before we get out of here i want to take a second here and thank the two gentlemen and the luminescent one herself, even though she's hiding in the background, for coming along with me on this journey in this particular episode. If folks have not had enough of the freshness and they need another taste, how is it that a person would be able to get a hold of you after this show, sir?
2: Uh, YouTube.com slash Fresh03. Um, we are running a vapor Eye memorial stream this weekend. That will be from 8 a.m. Pacific until noon, or 11 a.m. East until 3 p.m. We do have some fairly good, fairly good sized mixers coming on. We're going to be doing um, mixes by donation. So you give us, you donate, we will make you a recipe for whatever the hell you want. Um, Probably have different tiers as far as things go, but it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun, and um, it's going to be lighthearted. Uh, and I think that's the way vapor. I would want it um, have a good time talk about the good times with rye do some tasty mixing for people um, We've got uh, Jennifer Winstead's gonna stop by we've got Wayne from DIY or die coming by uh, We potentially have uh, vape team members stopping by. So um, I reached out I pulled the cards on everybody. I could Nick Devine's gonna be stopping by he's talking about spinning some coils uh, Do some uh, do a little bit of giving away that sort of thing and um, But yeah, it's we just want to close out. We want to close out the the vaporize memorial fund, push it to where it should have been months ago, Um, and that's the goal. This weekend is to raise about thirteen hundred bucks. I don't think that over
3: four hours. I don't think that's. I don't think that's insane. So I'd say it's a damn good cause.
2: Yep, yep. Vaporize family deserves deserves the best uh, because they lost the best. That's all I got.
3: Yep, Um, it's it's on unequivocal the impact and the, the, the motivation that, that vapor I had on this channel. He is legitimately part of the reason why I do exactly what I do and why I wear this hat while I do it is to help remember that guy. He's the first episode of the TMI show. The reason that this channel is a, a thing. The reason I had the balls to pull the trigger on this is from the inspiration I got from that guy. So I, I absolutely encourage everybody to go over give what you can we lost the best and his family deserves any help that we can give him but uh moving along from there my my wednesday night compatriot my combat shit talking homeboy if they have not had enough of your opinions and they need a little bit more of that green bay persona we'll say how would somebody go about getting a hold of you after the show sir
0: we sit here, right here with the mute on and talk first, and then we unmute ourselves. <laughs> and then we show up on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Central Time on Gull TV, right here on the YouTubes. Can you come talk shit to me there? Or um, shoot me a fucking message on the Instagrams, I'll get back to you eventually. It might be a half day, but I'll get back to you. Yeah. Hey, it's been a fantastic year. There's been a lot of great fights this year. Glad to have been a part of it. I can't wait to see what next year brings. Uh, The way it's shaping up so far, it looks like it's going to be another fucking hellacious round of wonderful, wholesome family fun. And by family fun, I mean watching people get their asses whipped. (laughs) Albeit not always the people you want to get their asses whipped, but it's going to (laughs) happen. It's been a hell of a ride. I'm ready to see what the rest of this brings as we continue down this path.
3: Absolutely. And thank you very much for your time, Fresh 03, Nick Devine, RJ, Kick however the fuck he puts his name backwards now, My, uh, Patrick Michael from uh, Nine Minute Podcast, all the guests I have had throughout the year, the luminescent one herself from pushing this show. Behind the scenes, you folks have no idea how much I appreciate the help that she does more than anybody else. She really is half the reason that I get to do this fucking thing. And I cannot put into words how much I appreciate that. But I appreciate each and every one of you who have stuck around, who have jumped on board, who have seen this thing through and can see where I'm going with it. And you support in any way, whether you're here in chat whether you're going to join the Patreon down below, whether you're giving to the PayPal, whether you're just telling people about the shit-talking dumbasses that you've seen on the other the internet, rather, talking, doing our thing, whether you're giving us the thumbs up, whether you're giving us the thumbs down, I don't give a shit either way. If you're part of it, you're part of it, and I appreciate that. So thank you to everyone who helped us bring this 2019 to a close. I will have one more. What did I say show for the recaps before this year is out for all the goodies, keep an eye over on mixer. And then subsequently later on, on YouTube, if it ever fucking works for me one of these days, but uh, this is the last I am no Joe episode of the 2019 year. Thank you all for coming along. I will see you in 2020 and remember don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything except Trump not getting impeached (laughs) too fucking little, too fucking late. Have a great night. Have a great year, folks.
0: Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening, but they fought with expert timing. Funky China men, from funky Chinatown They were chopping them up, they were chopping them down It's an ancient Chinese art, and everybody knew their part From a fainting to a slip, and a kicking from the hip Everybody was kung fu fighting